Well, good morning, everybody. I'm glad you're here with me this morning. That video was a lot of fun to make. And uh, that lion at the end is actually what Steve was building. Uh, he went ahead and finished it for us so we could get that shot. And it was just, it was such a hardship for him to have to sit there and finish building the Lego. He was just, he was almost heartbroken about it. Um, now, he really does love Lego, uh, and it was a good time, but uh, it seems like so long ago. It was just, just for the beginning of this series. Um, my beard has grown a lot since then. Uh, Steve's had like four haircuts, um, but here we are, and uh, it was good fun, and we get to continue that series this morning, which has been a great series, at least for me. I hope you feel the same. Um, I'm Philip. I don't know if I've met everybody yet. I'm Philip Lane. I'm the new online and media director. I guess it's not so new anymore, uh, but I have the privilege of being with you this morning to share the message. So good morning, everybody, and good morning also to our online campus um, joining us. I get to see a lot of me today um, because I, I just introduced myself online um, for them, and now they're getting to see me with the message. So hopefully they can bear with a double dose of Phil this morning. We are continuing our Respectable Sin series, and as you might remember, we're looking at, at two things in this series. We're looking at a respectable sin each week, but then we're also looking at the fruit of the Spirit and comparing them. We're comparing a, a, a respectable sin, something that we tend to overlook and uh, allow to thrive sometimes in our lives, and then we're looking at the fruit of the Spirit from Galatians. So to have a refresher... The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Now this morning, as the highlight will uh, tip you off to, this morning we're looking at gentleness. Gentleness. But we're going to camp here for just a second. Let me ask you, how do you normally get your fruit you get from a, maybe a farmer's market or a supermarket. Does anybody have a, a grove of fruit trees in their backyard or somewhere on their property? Anybody? No? 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 no. So, so safe to say, usually we're all uh, outsourcing the, the fruit process for our, for our diets. Well, I'd like to say fruit sometimes takes a long time to grow, and I get that. And, and the process starts when we're saved, but we're all in this process of development. We're all like a garden, and the Holy Spirit is planting these seeds in us and growing them to maturity, and we have the fruit of the Spirit. And that sometimes takes a little while because those trees are growing and growing and growing. So I understand, and, and I will admit, that I fall short in some of these areas more often than maybe I should but that just proves one thing. God's not done with me yet. And God's not done with you yet. And we need to constantly be seeking to exemplify these things. To take the choice to say, my, the evidence of my life is going to be the fruit of the Spirit. And I'm not going to, to turn in to give in to these respectable sins that we've been studying the fruit of the Spirit is a, a wonderful gift. And as we looked at gentleness this morning, we're also going to have to discover the respectable sin that goes along with it. Anybody have an idea what that might be? Anybody want to shout out a little quick draw trivia here? What would be the opposite? What would be the sinful thing that gentleness would counteract in our lives? Anger? 
anger, maybe some impatience, some, some rudeness. We're, uh, we're kind of summing those things up this morning, and we're going to call it harshness. A gruff personality, harsh words to people. An angry sort of disposition where we're going to be, you know, in, in your face and, and puff up the feathers and really just sort of like, I know, I've got this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take care of this. I'm going to take them down a peg. Harshness in our lives. And, and most of the time we look at that as a respectable sin. But we all know what it looks like. We all know what harshness feels like when we're, when we're dealing with somebody who's uh, disrespecting us or, uh, or maybe a, a boss who just has nothing but harsh words for us. We know what it looks like and too often we're guilty of it towards our friends, towards our loved ones, towards our our neighbors, towards our brothers and sisters. And this morning, we want to kind of root that out. We want to take a look at it so that we can instead turn to gentleness. We can curb that harshness that grows in our lives so easily and respond with the fruit of the Spirit with gentleness. Now, for a biblical example this morning, I want to invite you to turn to 1 Samuel chapter 25. Now, if you are using these these nice, handy new Bibles in your chair in front of you. As uh, Pastor Chuck mentioned, we get to say we can turn to page 245 if you're using that particular Bible, the one that, that is there this morning, fresh and new. Now, if you brought your own Bible or if you're using a Bible app, it's not going to be on page 245. Then you're just going to have to go ahead and find that. But 1 Samuel 25 is a, a narrative chapter, okay? Now, that means that we have a lot to cover because we're going to try to work through the whole narrative for the whole chapter this morning, but we're not going to read the whole thing. So I would encourage you to, to write it down, to keep it in your head, uh, 1 Samuel 25. Go back through, reread the whole chapter, kind of fill in the blanks of the narrative. I'm going to try to give you a recap as best we can. But as we move through, that's where we are, 1 Samuel chapter 25. Now, chapter 25 is kind of tucked in between two instances where David could have, could have ended Saul's reign. Now, Saul was the first king of Israel. He wasn't faithful. David has been basically anointed by God. You're going to succeed him. You'll be the next king, but Saul isn't ready to, to give up that title, to give up that power yet. And uh, chapter 25 is right in between where David spares Saul's life. He could have taken him out. He had him, you know, dead to rights. He could have just said, all right, I'm supposed to be the next king. Here's this king. Let's go. But that wasn't what David was supposed to do. Taking vengeance into his own hands was not what David was supposed to do. He let Saul live. But right in the middle of that, we find chapter 25. And that sort of Gentle, patient David is on vacation, I guess, because David in chapter 25 doesn't quite act that way. He and his men are hanging out in the wilderness, and nearby is a very wealthy man. His name is Nabal. And we get the sense in this account that David and his men have been protecting Nabal's interests. Now, they may not be working for him directly, but their presence has richly benefited this very rich man. Nothing of his has gone missing. Nothing has been taken. 
David and his fighting men are nearby, and people know that, so they're going to stay away, and they're not going to do anything wrong. Now, Nabal owns land, and verse 2 calls him a very rich man. He has 3,000 sheep and 1,000 goats. Now, I personally don't know very much about sheep and goats, but I do know that if you're going to have 3,000 sheep and 1,000 goats, you're going to have kind of a lot of land to put them and also to feed them. I mean, the last time I checked, sheep don't stack, right? Not like sheep bunk beds somewhere where stack them five high. Like, like this is a large herd. They're taking up a lot of space, and Nabal can, can sustain them, can handle that. He's got enough money. He's got enough land. He can take care of all these, these people. And now he's shearing his sheep. He's making money off of these sheep. And David knows this. And David's nearby, and he sends some representatives to Nabal to remind him that David and his men have cast a, a protection over Nabal and his people and all that Nabal had. So David sends some young men to Nabal and, and reminds him of this and kind of asks him for some assistance. And if we pick up in verse 9, it says this. When David's young men came, they said all this to Nabal in the name of David, which was peace be with you. You know we haven't stolen from you. Share the wealth, right? And then they waited and Nabal answered David's servants, Who is David? Who is this son of Jesse? There are many servants these days who are breaking away from their masters. Shall I take my bread and my water and my meat that I have killed for my shearers and give it to men who come from I do not know where? Nabal is a harsh man. These are not kind words. Nabal is intentionally offering insult to the men that David has sent and to David himself. Who is this guy? What, what does he want stuff for? Why should, I, why should I pay any interest to him? Who is this David, this, this son of Jesse? He's beneath me. I'm going to get the impression that that's what Nabal is going for. He deals harshly with David. and deals harshly with David's young men. Now, they've treated Nabal honestly to this point, but the harshness and the meanness does not go overlooked by David. You see, he doesn't recognize David's position. He doesn't show respect. He doesn't show gratitude for what David has done. He's, he's mean, he's callous, he's disrespectful, and it's going to get him in a lot of trouble. Now, there's a sense here that this is just who Nabal is. He is a, a harsh, gruff Man, There is no redeemable qualities that we see in Nabal anywhere in this story. He deals with everybody this way. He's going to take what he wants. He's going to use people however he can. He's going to do this for his own purposes. Now, I don't know about you, but at this point, I'm thinking, like, we've got a clear bad guy in the story, right? Nabal is clearly the, the bad guy. I've heard of David before. I've never heard of this Nabal guy before. I've heard of David before. David is described as, as a man after God's own heart. Like, we want him to be the good guy, and we want Nabal to be the bad guy. We think, you know what? We hope he gets what's coming to him. And I think I know why we feel that way. At least I can say I know why I feel that way. It's because I've known a few Nabals in my time. 
I've known a few people who were, were gruff and harsh and disrespectful all the time. Unwarranted, unneeded, that's just who they are. That's just what they do. Am I the only one who's ever known a Nabal or worked for a Nabal? That's not fun, right? That, that's not fun at all. That's, that's dreading work every single day. Or maybe it's a, a friend or a, a family member or a loved one. I kind of superimpose myself into the story when I'm reading a narrative like this. So to me, it's like, Nabal's the bad guy, and I want to be the good guy, right? I want to be like, like David, a man after God's own heart, and I want to see Nabal get what's coming to him. But let's see what happens. See, here's where Nabal has a problem. Now, a lot of people have taken Nabal's harshness because they had no choice. They've They've, they've taken his gruff attitude, they've taken his insults, they've, they've taken the, the mean and the disrespect from him because they don't have a choice. They work for him. Or in this case, you know, maybe they're owned by him or, or they have no other way of, of sustaining their livelihood except through his sheep and providing something for him. All his servants, his, his cooks, the, the shearers and the shepherds that he employs, they're all enthralled to him and they just have to deal with his harshness. David is not one of those. David would be a lot of things in his life, right? He was a shepherd and a musician. He was a dancer and a husband and a a father, and he would be the king of Israel before long. He has no, no reason to bow to Nabal. David was a lot of things, but more than anything else, David was a warrior, David was a man who went to battle and got things done, and he would not suffer Nabal's harshness. So David's men return from Nabal's camp, and David is immediately like, suit up, boys. We are going to war, right? Verse 13 actually says this. David says to his men, every man strap on his sword, and every man of them strapped on his sword. Good listeners, these soldiers, right? David also strapped on his sword, and about 400 men went up after David, while 200 remained with the baggage. Now, Nabal's in a tough spot. He's a businessman. There's no, there's no reason to think that he's a, a warrior or has some horde of fighting men. David has 400 battle-hardened men at his command, and they've had enough of this, this uh, sheep boss's attitude and harshness and disrespect. Who wants David to win, right? Right? I want David to win, right? I want, I want him to be the good guy. And I do that because I think it feels like retribution. For someone to come along and, and bring a harsh man down a peg, it feels, like, it feels like justice. And it feels like, you know what? I kind of wish I could, I could bring the nables in my life down a peg myself. But this whole series this morning that we've been working through, this whole series is about exposing our respectable sins, right? With an emphasis on exposing our respectable sins. They're hidden sins. They, they hide usually in plain sight. And, and I know that God has been convicting me of sin throughout this series. And I know there are others amongst us who are also being convicted throughout this series 
We know Nabal is a harsh man. He offers David insult and disrespect, but even though we want to relate to him, even though we want him to be the good guy, isn't David acting harshly here as well? I mean, this guy offered him insult, sure, but he was like, you know, hey, who's this guy? Why should I give David anything? And David immediately like, get your sword, all of you. We are going. And he's not even like, we're going to take our swords and have a polite conversation. Most people don't take their swords to have a polite conversation anyways, right? But he's not going to Nabal to kind of talk this out. Let's, let's find a solution to this problem. Let's discuss what's happened between us. He's going with one intent. I'm going to kill that guy. And not only that, but I'm going to kill every male person who works for him that's a part of his camp, like everybody that he is master over, all of them, all the men, we're going to go kill them all. And David isn't full of righteous anger when he does this. He's full of harshness. He wants to avenge himself, and that's just as sinful as starting the argument in the first place. There's so many other ways that David could have responded. So many other ways. He could have said literally anything else. He could have had a polite and and peaceful conversation first but he doesn't. He goes right to strap on the swords. And I wish that the story had been more like David straps on his sword, they go to battle, David wins because he was affronted by this angry Nabal character, and it's all good. Because that would say to me that I have the right to deal harshly with people who deal harshly with me. Do we think that that's what God's trying to tell us through this narrative? Do we think that that's what God is trying to say to us? That, that if somebody is disrespectful to us, that we get to strap on the sword, whether you know, it's, it's the verbal sword and go after them or you know, actually have it come to blows? It's not. I wish it was that way. I wish we had that license sometimes because in me, I want to... Retaliate. I don't want to feel put upon. And yet God calls us to gentleness. God says he's building in us this, this supernatural gentleness to deal with the harshness of people around me. Dealing back with harshness is just as sinful as receiving it first. And there's something to keep in mind here, and we all know this. We can't control how other people are going to treat us. We will incur the harshness of the nables in our lives. Whether they're people who are always harsh or maybe just a loved one who is having a bad day, it runs the whole gamut. We can't control when people are harsh and disrespectful to us, but we can control how we react. David's first response was harsh. Get your swords, we're going to kill them. David is on the warpath. And he's about to repay harshness with harshness, but thankfully that's not the end of the story. The narrative continues, and we meet a third party, okay? We're going to meet a lady named Abigail. 
Now, she's mentioned towards the beginning of this chapter as Nabal's wife. And now with David headed down this war path on his way to kill all of the men, she's reintroduced to the story because some of Nabal's guys come and inform Abigail of what has happened. They tell her, this is what your husband did. He sent these men back. He rebuked them. He, he actually insulted David. And she knows this is not going to end well. But she's also Nabal's wife. And maybe it's because of the having to deal with Nabal all the time. Abigail knows the secret to dealing with harshness. It's not countered with a louder voice. Harshness is countered with gentleness. She goes to David. She takes him gifts. And she diffuses David's anger with kind words. And she reminds David that it is not his place to seek vengeance for himself. That's gentleness in action. She doesn't come through shouting, you know, hey, why are you going to do this? Don't, you know, whatever. He's my husband. He's just a silly guy. I mean, she tells him, look, his name means foolish one. So, yeah, I mean, it fits. Right? She's being frank. She's being honest about the fact that, that Nabal, of course, has this habit of being harsh with everyone and disrespectful, but she doesn't just you know, shout David down. She comes with gentleness. And after she does that, let's pick up in verse 32, where David says this. David said to Abigail, Blessed be the Lord who sent you this day to meet me. Blessed be your discretion, and blessed be you who have kept me this day from blood guilt and from working salvation with my own hand. For as surely as the Lord, the God of Israel, lives, who has restrained me from hurting you, unless you had hurried and come to meet me, truly by morning there had not been left to Nabal so much as one male. Gentleness counters harshness. Have you ever been in David's shoes? I mean, spitting mad, gathering your posse, strapping your sword on, ready to go to war, and then an Abigail comes along and acts with gentleness and speaks with you kindly and fairly and talks to you. It really takes the wind out of your sails, doesn't it? It showed David that he wasn't any better than Nabal at that point. And it reminded him that he should be. He should have been better than the harshness that he was about to deal upon this harsh man. Consider this. In Colossians, we're told, since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourselves with tenderhearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Clothe yourselves with it. Anybody ever accidentally gotten dressed? Right? Anybody ever accidentally gotten dressed? Oh, I don't remember doing that. I didn't mean to get dressed this morning. What happened? I thought I was still in my pajamas. That must have been an accident. No, clothe yourself. It is an intentional thing, right? When we're, when we're putting ourselves together, keep these things in mind. Have tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. God says do this and do it intentionally. If I had to guess, I'd say you've probably noticed this, but, but our society is just filled to the brim with navels. 
Everywhere you go, everywhere you look, you're going to see a Nabal being all aggressive and insulting and harsh with you. And in my experience, the internet makes it worse. The internet seems to make our inner Nabals rise to the top. Somebody is always there being aggressive with us, whether it's somebody we know or somebody, somebody one of our friends knows or just some random person who's, I don't know, just trolling the internet looking for someone to yell at. We're always finding it. They're commenting on our posts or ignoring us completely. They're insulting us because we think one thing or another on some issue. Online, everything's a big deal, right? Have you noticed that? Everything's a big deal. It's all capital letters and exclamation points, angry face emojis. And that's true more and more in person as well. Between political leanings, between back-to-school stances or, or, or vaccine or not vaccine, the harshness and the screaming and the shouting is just everywhere. See, Nables are always going to pounce when they hear anybody say anything they disagree with. They're waiting to throw their two cents in, and we really shouldn't be like that. Because just like Abigail reminded David, this isn't your place. Just like we're told to clothe ourselves with gentleness, it isn't our place to be harsh and to be disrespectful. It's not our job to strap on the sword and go after them with our words. We live in a world that's more connected than it's ever been, but that connectivity drives us to fracture because we've somehow lost the ability to have a civilized conversation. We've somehow lost the ability to to sit down with somebody and just gently talk with them about something that we disagree with. And that kind of says to me, we've lost our gentleness. Too often, we've, we've lost what's supposed to be a fruit inside of us. We've, we've lost sight of what God calls us to be, and that is a gentle voice in a harsh world. That's what we're called to be. The voice that speaks reason and gentleness into the argument. The voice like Abigail's who who comes through and and stops the, the conflict from escalating and rising. Gentleness calms the storm. Now, we are called to be in this world. If God had said, you know, what my people are too good for this world. They're not supposed to interact with this world. As soon as we come to know him, we could have just been removed from it. That's not God's plan. He says, be in the world, but don't be of the world. I don't want you to think that I'm standing here saying, ignore all of the conversations. Ignore all of the the debates. Ignore all of the, 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 the contentious topics. Right? You're only allowed to talk about music, and that's only if it doesn't upset somebody, or like sports. And even then, like sports, that's, that's kind of a hot button. We'll take sports off the list, because people get really fired up about their, their favorite team, like the Phillies and Steve, all over the office. 
Phillies Nation. I love the Phillies. Which is actually kind of funny to me because he's got a sticker on the back of his computer that just says Phils. And I'm like, <laughs> it's my computer now. You said it. We are not called to stay out of the conversation. We are called to be in it, to be a part of it, to, to lead the conversation. But the question is, how? My question to you is, what voice do we bring to the conversation? Do we start the conflict? Are we enable or are we, are we out there instigating on purpose? Do we know there's a hornet's nest, so let's grab a bat and smack it? I mean, too often. <laughs> or are we David? Do we, do we see somebody hurling insults and disrespect to us? And do we immediately say, I got a strap on the sword. I have got, you know, the perfect one-liner to zing them with. I've got the perfect news article to share with them that just totally goes after somebody who thinks the way they do. I am just going to completely destroy them. Because that's not right either. Or do we take that third option? Do we clothe ourselves in gentleness? Do we come like Abigail and be the peacemaker? Because that's what we're called to be. We're called to be gentle. We're called to speak into this world and to, and to give godly advice and to show Jesus' love to everyone but with a gentle voice. Think on this. Gentleness brings calm to chaos and healing to hurt. Gentleness brings calm to chaos and healing to hurt. Friends, our world is in the middle of a raging storm. There is so much going on out there. And because of technology, we can be right in the middle of just about any of it. There are opinions flying around in this storm like shrapnel in a tornado. And even when they're not directing at us, directed at us, they're spinning around us, and we're going to get those cuts and those bruises and those dings, and we're going to feel it, and we're going to feel the harshness and the disrespect and the anger. The hurt in this storm is real. The anger and the disrespect in this storm is real. And we're going to feel it, and we have to brave it, but we have to respond correctly. We have to take that, that disrespect and that, that hurt and that pain, and we have to respond to it with gentleness. Because it's going to take gentle voices to calm the storm, and heal the hurt. And that's what people need. They need to see a supernatural, how can this person possibly be gentle with me right now? It's the fruit of the Spirit. That's how. You want to know how? Let me tell you about my Jesus. It takes gentleness to bring calm to the chaos and healing to the hurt. Don't add to the argument. Don't start the argument. Don't be like Nabal. Deal fairly, deal respectfully, deal honestly, speak kind words. 
When we're affronted, don't be like David. Let it go. I'm not going to start singing, but let it go. People are going to insult us. Let it go. Respond with kindness and gentleness. Don't be like David. Who in your life is like Abigail? Who's the peacemaker? Who's the gentle one when it feels like they shouldn't be? Who is like Abigail? Let me tell you, keep them close. Encourage them because they need it. That is a hard road to walk. And while you're doing that, ask yourself this. To my friends, am I like Abigail? Am I the gentle one because the Holy Spirit is is growing the fruit of gentleness in me? Am I the one following the example, being the peacemaker, healing the hurt, calming the storm? And just as one last little note, the Abigails in your life, you know who they are. When they come to you and when they try to calm you down, take note and listen. Because we have all been in positions where we have been the Nabal or the David, even if we don't make a habit of it, even if we don't mean to be. And when Abigail comes running and says, slow your roll, relax, let's take a breath. Vengeance isn't yours. Let's not take it as offense. Take it as, as a godly reminder and a thank you. And just like David said, he blessed her and thanked her for, for keeping him from sin. Let's do the same. In our moments of harshness, listen to Abigail. And as much as we can, exercise this fruit of the spirit of gentleness and be Abigail in this world of chaos around us. Would you pray with me this morning? Father, we live in a chaotic world. We live in a world where everything is just carelessly flung about. And Lord, we take comfort in knowing that you are our rock and our shield, that it's not our job to avenge ourselves. Lord, we ask that you would help to grow in us this fruit of gentleness because this world desperately needs it. Help us to fulfill our mission intentionally clothing ourselves in your gentleness, that we can speak truth, that we can calm storms, that we can heal the hurting and do it all for your glory, Lord, and in the name of your Son. Amen.